Welcome to Category 5 Technology TV, episode number 401 for Tuesday, the 26th of May, 2015. Not sure what happened on this side of the desk. I'm very excited. Tonight, we are going to do something really neat. We're going to actually use a graphical tool. We're going to learn how to determine what exactly is taking up all the space on our hard drive. That is so useful. We're going to learn that uh, on Linux as well as Windows. Sorry, Mac babies. You're on your own tonight. I'm so excited. I nice really to see need you. it. Stick around. She's excited. You should be excited too. We've got lots going on. Plus your viewer questions, yeah? Yes. Yeah. We have lots of those. All right. Over to Sasha Dermatis in the newsroom. Hey, Sasha. Hello. Here's what's coming up in the Category 5.TV <laughs> newsroom. A Dutch startup wants to install their cloud servers in people's homes with an innovative radiator design. A team which recreates popular movies as 8-bit video games is attracting millions of views on YouTube. Nearly half of the global population will be using the internet by the end of this year, according to a new report. Dell has just released a new Ubuntu version of their Inspiron 15 3000 series laptop, and it starts at just $250. And a poo-powered bus has set the speed record in the UK. Stick around. The full details are coming up later in the show. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Starring Sasha Dermatis. Hillary Rumble. Krista Wells. Eric Kidd. And your host, Robbie Ferguson. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Hey, uh. Hi. I'm Robbie. I'm Kelsey. No, she's actually that tall. I'm like raising my chair. <laughs> What's going on here? No, that's Kelsey. Yeah, that's me. I'm just really. Well, and now he's slouching, so that doesn't help. Might as well slouch. There's, there's just no Can I just you. say that when I was in the chat room for a little bit last week, one of the comments I heard was, I didn't realize Sasha was so short. And although I am short, <laughs> this, this is directly because you're We've so We've propped her up on a phone book tonight, though, folks. I so. was also on a slant a bit. Like, I think that I was downhill from everybody. Robbie's yard is not flat. I am actually not as short. <laughs> <laughs> just to get that out there, she just wanted to clarify. She's not that short. She was just on a different level than everybody I was, else. I was standing exactly. in a valley. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, we, we hear yeah. you, Sasha. Thanks okay. for clearing that up. No problem. That, yeah. was, that was bugging me all week. Oh, yeah. Was she standing in a valley? Or is she really that Just short? That short. I mean, she's compared to me. Like it's she's still that, that also short. didn't help. No, standing next to you while in a valley. Yes, that yeah. didn't help either. It was unfair. I know. I know. And, and then Sorry, the next, I logged out, and then I logged back in. It was something about how I'm vegetarian, and it's not real meat at all. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. 
I'm and, out of this chat room. And, and people are saying, oh, it was so smoky and everything last week, but it was a smoked barbecue. It was a, a smoker, right? I, yeah. I got a lot of smoke going and cooked the meat over. And Robbie completely just disappeared. I did. It was like a puff of smoke. Was he good, was though. gone. Yeah, it was good. Real it was good. good, good food. Nice, nice food. So really good thanks food. to everybody for uh, for joining us at the yeah. uh, the barbecue bash, be it in person or virtually, of course, mm-hmm. through uh, through watching the show online. Hard to believe we have surpassed 400 episodes, and here we yeah, are. That's amazing. I want to say thanks to everybody who's contributed this week. Um, we've got we. It's a really really bright day today, right, Sasha? Yes. It is super, super bright. I'm going to just, I'm going to, oh, I can't, unfortunately, I can't show. Okay, I will, uh, you know what I'll do? I'm going to show you these drapes right now by the power of television. <gasps> Look at that. We got the drapes, and uh, I want to thank everybody who has contributed to helping us with those. Uh, super duper bright night tonight, so it was a good good chance to get them up because uh, that yes. blocks out the sun that is right there. Yeah. And has been in our face a couple of nights uh, here on Tech TV. So It's all good now. It helps. Uh, we do have some other needs. Um, we're working off of screens because our printer has gone kaputs. And we've just got all these little miscellaneous things. Plus, we've got rent and insurance and all that stuff coming up. And, and so it yes. really, really helps us out if you, if you have the means to contribute. Uh, and we're trying to grow. We're, we're introducing new shows. We're growing our platform and doing some pretty cool stuff. So if you appreciate what we do here at Category 5, TV, please consider uh, go to donate.category5.tv. No pressure, but if you're able and willing, then uh, that really helps us out. Okay, and of course, category5.tv is a member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Uh, cat5.tv slash tpn and the International Association of Internet T- Broadcasters, cat5.tv slash iaib. Want to give shouts out to newly registered viewers. We've got a lot tonight, and I don't want to miss you. So let's say hey to Matt Dean. Thanks for tuning into the show. Ka Olafson. Olaf. Hey. Or, miss, or miss Mrs. Quiz? Quiz? Mrs. Quiz? Quiz? I don't know. Aliases are tough. All right, we're going to plow through Mo Maravilla. F. King. Also, Alpha Fire 2005. Tex Nation. Better your web. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Better your web. <laughs> hey. <laughs> SMC62. Uh, and also Crash423. Don't want to get ahead of myself. The Elder Drive. Not to be confused with the Elder Scrolls. Ooh. Oh, the Elder Divide there. Okay. Oh, Divide. The one, though. Life of Pi. That's good. That's a good one. Where are you? Keep, okay, you're going backwards. <laughs> are you doing this to confuse me? Well, you went to better your web, which was weird. Okay. SMB basis. Hello. Rebecca Palmer. Thanks oh. for being simple. <laughs> <laughs> She's not saying you're simple. <laughs> to be fair. <laughs> it's the username. The name was easy to pronounce, and yes. she appreciated and noticed yes. how she jumped right to that name because it was so much easier. I so I will go with Calgoriastrom. Hello. Rivedneck. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that one I know is Rev D. Jenk. All right. Oh. Hey, Rev. Also, uh, Triffid451, J. Dane, Mark Decibel. Who have we missed? Nadi. And Soupy60. Matthew Allen. 
Another Blue easy Nose Guy. And finally, Dot, dot NM. <laughs> Welcome to the show, everybody. Welcome. Thanks for being here. Hey, you can register too. Go to category5.tv. It's absolutely free. Completely 100%. It's free. I'm giving it to you. Take it. Free stuff is awesome. <laughs> Don't be simple. <laughs> Uh, we've got viewers all over the world tonight nice to see if you want to see where everybody's watching from go to map.cat5.tv you're ready to get right into it i am okay here we go folks how much junk do you think is on your computer um i think i've got a 500 gigabyte hard drive so about 457 gigs more than that, like 498. <laughs> it's, I, I'm at the point I'm deleting things off my hard drive because of the fact that, you know, we, I'm, I'm on solid state hard drives. They're fast, but they're smaller than the traditional spinning hard drive. So that's a little bit of a catch-22. I mean, you want the speed of an SSD, but you have the trade-off of not having as much space as you're used to. Yes. All these people with their four terabyte laptops... How like, like I got space. This is like $2,000. How do you do that? But I've got my little 128 gig. <laughs> that can be tough when you are a video producer. Yes. So what do we do? What do we do? We figure out what we can delete, which is usually mm. a pretty wondrous task. Yes. Very difficult. Why? Why, Kelsey? Why is it so hard to clear space on our hard drive? Because we don't know where everything's coming from. Our computers tend to leave files all over the place. I tend to leave files all over the place. I download stuff and move it around and accidentally forget about it. it. I'm notorious for it. My desktop. I have a folder on my desktop called Icons. (laughs) And it creates the illusion that I'm organized because whenever I would normally pummel a bunch of junk on my desktop mm-hmm. i put it into the icons folder so you have no idea what's in there yeah it's pretty crazy is that cheating sasha's uh, nodding her head thanks sasha i appreciate maybe. your support <laughs> so the thing is is well, where does all this stuff go what is taking up all the space in my hard drive we're going to look at a tool tonight that's absolutely free but here's Yay. the thing it's for windows only <laughs> what was that i have windows <laughs> Ha! Ha! You got windows. Ha! I'm happy I didn't. How do you change. like them viruses? I haven't had any that I know of yet. <laughs> well, you were probably a part of a botnet then. What's that? When your computer is basically being used by hackers to oh, hack other servers probably. and destroy and spam. Probably. It's probably the case. Probably. I got a. I have. I have a. I have a virus protection, but I don't know if it's actually working or not. It's a placebo. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually a virus. I downloaded and installed this virus protection. Well, it was recommended. Source it was recommended by Torrent. It was recommended to me by a friend who I hope knows technology. Okay. How so simple are they? They're not. They're not? Actually. Okay. Very good. At least no names this time. Yeah. What? Well, <laughs> so what do we do? Okay, so this so- software is called Space Sniffer. Now, of course, <coughs> that's okay. Excuse we can wait. Me. I'm sorry. Are we done? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Space Sniffer is available only for Windows, okay? But we've got good news because, hey, Linux has a thing called Wine. 
And uh, it lets us run some Windows programs directly on our Linux machine. So tonight, I'm actually going to be doing everything on Linux because I want to show you at home, you Linux users, how to, how to do this. Yourself and Windows users in general can take the same knowledge that we're going to learn because it's a Windows program, and so it's okay. exactly the same stuff. So if you're on Windows, if you're on Linux, don't worry about it. It's exactly the same. The only step that's different on Linux is that we need a tool called Wine, which most of our computers are already going to have installed. So what I've done, because this is a Windows program and free Windows programs are notorious for what? Viruses. Somebody downloading it, adding a Trojan or something, and then making a fake download site. So I've got a link for you to take you directly to the legitimate download. That is cat5.tv slash sniff. I'm going to go there, cat5.tv slash sniff, and you'll see that that's going to take us right over to Space Sniffer. Let's bring it up on my screen here. Zoom out a little bit for those of you with Overscan. There we go. We can click on Download. And one of the things, okay, let's go to the official Foss Hub download link. Look at all the, you know, there's a bunch of ads and links and stuff like that. All you want to do is download Space Sniffer Portable. It's free. It's just going to download this zip file. Let's open it up. One of the things that, um, that make it tough for us to find what's using space on our hard drive is getting a real look at an overview of what is taking up that space. I'm a visual guy, and to see things visually as opposed to a file list sorted by size really helps me to grasp what's going on with my hard drive. So this tool really, really helps me out. This is, uh, you see, this is open the zip file. It's an EXE file, yeah. And with that EXE file, of course, you can just double-click on it on Windows. Now, on Linux, on the other hand, I'm going to extract it. Let's, oh, let's pop it onto my desktop, throw it in the icons folder. <laughs> All right, so once it's on my desktop, there it is, okay? Uh, I can close out of that zip file now. Let's bring up a new, because I can, oh, did I mention that I can do that on Linux? Let's spin around to another cube face. Let's pop over here. Right-click on Space Sniffer, and you should see Open with Wine Windows Program Loader. If you don't, go into Synaptic Package Manager or whatever your favorite tool is for installing programs in Linux. As your search, type in Wine, and that's the program that you want to install. Wine allows you to, inst uh, to run Windows programs on Linux. Okay, so that's the only step that's different if you're on Linux. Okay. So from here on in, be it you're on Windows or Linux, it's exactly the same. Cool. Okay. That's useful. Yeah. On Linux, right-click and go open with Wine. On Windows, just double-click on it. There you go. We're in Space Sniffer. It's as easy as that. Now, what do you notice? We've got a C drive, and my computer here, because I'm on Linux, has a Z drive. What is that? Okay, so on Wine, C is your fake Windows folder. Right. Z, or Z, depending on which side of the border you're on, um, is the root folder of your Linux file system. So okay. slash. All right. So for you at home, if you're on Windows, it's probably your C drive. It might be your D or something like that. You know what it is. Mm -hmm. That's just your hard drive. So in my case, it's the Z drive. And you can actually click on Path to see what it's giving you. And notice that even though this is a Wine program, it does give me access to my Linux file system. So I can just click, I can double click on Z, and it's going to be the same thing. You'll notice that I'm going to start getting some error messages. And these are because on Linux, 
var lib and, and spools and and there are certain things that I my user simply don't have access to. Yeah. So eh, I could run it as root. Realistically, though, there's nothing that's going to be outside of my user that's that's mm-hmm. going to be taking up a great deal of space, and I certainly don't care about being able to access things like the the spoolers and stuff like that. Right. So those error messages, error messages are not actually uh, affecting the usability of the program. They're simply telling you, hey, I don't have access to those particular folders. Okay, so it's still populating. You'll see what's happening here. Whoa. Just a bunch of squares, right? But look, notice at the right-hand side, it's actually loading more and more and more. Let's get that thing out of the way. And it's, see how this is getting bigger over here at the bottom right? Yeah. It's because it's finding stuff. I see right away there's a Miro. These represent folders, right? Okay. There's a Miro folder that it's detected has 3.7 gigabytes of files in it. So Miro being kind of a dead project, notice what I can do is I can double-click on it. And I can say, oh, well, back when I was using Miro, I was subscribed to these shows. And so it's actually using, notice up here, 3.7 gigabytes of my hard drive. That's, that's a substantial amount. That's a little bit when you consider I'm on an SSD, let's say. Now, this computer is not on an SSD. Yeah. Uh, but if I had a smaller hard drive, I might be concerned about 3 gigs. But as this scans, we're going to start to see more and more stuff that's taking mm-hmm. up space on our hard drive. And I love the visual aspect. Let's go up again and watch what happens. Up. Ooh. Look at that. So see, now I'm back to the original view, but more stuff has loaded. And I see as I click, as I point it around, you notice how it follows my mouse. So I can get a really good visual of what's using space on my computer. Right. Let's zoom in a little bit here. VirtualBox VMs is a folder that has 192.5 gigabytes in use. I'm going to click on that, double-click. It zooms in, and I can now see, okay, there's one called Windows 7 Laptop. There's one called Snapshots, one called Windows 7 Laptop.vdi. That's all part of this Windows 7 Laptop folder, okay? This folder here is called Windows 7 Demo System. This would have been for a demonstration that I did, and it is 60 gigs, and I can zoom in on that. And there are some other ones that are a lot smaller over here. So do you notice, what do you notice about the size of these as far as the visual aspect goes? Well, they definitely look a lot smaller, like I'm looking at it. And it's like, it's not, it doesn't look like it's taking up a lot of space. But when you look at it, it's like three gigabytes or two gigabytes. Right. In the long run, that can add up. It adds up, and what's really, really cool about this, Kelsey, is that I can, by simply pointing, kind of see, okay, well, this file here is 3.6 gigs, this file here is 3.7, that snapshot is 3.9, the total of that, see how there's a wrapper around those two items, Mm -hmm. shows me that that is actually taking 7.6 gigs on my computer. So now if I double-click on that part where it says 7.6 gigs, it zooms in and shows me a little bit closer what these files are, right. how big they are. And I can go back and I can look around. Let's say I go into this demo system and it's just one big 60 gig file. But as I click around, I can see that you know these are all taking up space on my computer. Let's go up a level. Let's see what else is being found here. Okay, so we're still in virtual machines. Let's go up to the top level. I'll click on home and that takes me up. Okay, we've got virtual machines. Robbie folder. The Robbie folder is still being populated. There's a desktop folder, which I can see, you know, at a glance, I can start to see, oh, well, there's some stuff going on here. What's this? Oh, there's a folder on my desktop. Notice what has happened there. Visually, 
what I'm looking at here when I hit home is an overview of my entire computer. But then I can see here that my desktop, okay, visually this is showing me the desktop of, now everything's in grids, so go up to the top here, Home Robbie, okay? Yeah. So Home Robbie. On Windows it'll be C colon slash users slash Robbie. Uh, and then I've got my desktop. And if I double-click on the desktop, I can actually zoom in, and I'm seeing what is taking up space on my desktop. Mm-hmm. This is where I throw all the junk, right? Yeah. So now I see this folder over at the right here called ISO, and it's taking up 16.4 gigs. And I'll bet there are a lot of us geeks out there that are going to have some a similar folder to this. There's a 2.9 gig Windows technical preview, which came out you know, seven months ago can tell just by pointing to it here's the one thing that's a little that is going to be different between linux and windows is Mm -hmm. that this is a windows program so on windows you're going to have access to a couple of additional tools that you don't have access to on linux and what that is when i right click i've got open explore cut copy create link delete properties okay so the only one that's going to work there on linux is delete may sound bad but on Linux, realistically, that's the one that we really need. Yeah. It's a nice touch, though, that on Windows, if, you are, if you're not sure what something is, you can open it. Mm. Let's say you've got a big video file, and you're not sure, oh, was that the master copy or is that the rendered copy? And mm. so you can click on it to open it, and you can actually preview it, for example. So on Linux, we've only got the ability to delete. I'm going to show you what, uh, what else we can do here. But first of all, step one, if I right-click and go delete on this Windows Technical Preview, look at what it does. Is it, it does give me the full path. So now on Linux even, I can go to, forget about the Z, just slash home, slash Robbie, slash desktop, slash ISO, slash Windows Technical Preview, x86, enus, dot ISO. And I can preview that, open it, whatever I want to do. I can find that folder by simply going to that folder and where was it? ISO, ISO. on desktop, right? Yeah. So easy enough, there's the folder, right? So this is what the folder looks like in my browser. So then if I want to see the Windows technical preview, there it is. Okay, so it's, it's not really a, a setback. But now there are two things that I can do. Either I can use this tool, which is really, really handy. I can find the files that are taking up space, and I can go delete. Yes. And I can go, okay, Linux, Mint, Cinnamon, Manjaro, Point Linux with Mate, Ubuntu 14.04. That's getting a little bit old. Let's right-click and delete. Now, on Windows, it's going to be really, really fast and good. On Linux, you may not see it update itself automatically. So you just hit this refresh button, and you'll notice that those are now gone. Okay? So that's fine and dandy. So now if I go up, we're going to see that that folder space is down to only 12.2 gigs. And I've already freed up that much space on my hard drive with yeah. a couple of mouse clicks. Yeah. So visually, I'm seeing what's taking up all the space, and I can blast things off as easily mm-hmm. as that. There you have it, folks. That is called Space Sniffer, cat5.tv slash sniff. S-N-I-F-F. And it's as simple as that to go through your entire hard drive on Windows or Linux and clean things up. And you might have to start doing that because that looks really useful. It's a really useful, really, really, really simple tool. Mm-hmm. It just makes it, like I say, I'm a visual guy, and that just makes it so easy for me to see what's taking up space. I don't like the pie charts. 
And yeah. I don't like the the graphs that show, oh, this just makes sense because it feels like I'm flying through my hard drive in a 3D space kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm clicking around and I'm finding really, really quickly what it is that's taking up space. I wonder if you can find like little viruses that have embedded themselves onto your Ooh. computer. With this tool, I think that would be tough because it really goes by what's the biggest stuff on your hard drive. Oh, okay. What stands out to me are the things that are large. So yeah. I see this Windows 7 dot VDI. That's a virtual machine. So I know that that's taking up a lot of space. And I can see virtual machines is taking up 65.9 gigs. Now a virus is comparatively small. So not really yeah. the tool for that. But certainly this, uh, as far as our approach to use this to clean up space on a hard drive, I think of scenarios where you're, you're trying to, um, to reduce the amount of space that you're using. And, and an SSD is probably a really great um, example. Mm-hmm. Another example would be if you've got a server. Uh, I have an Unraid server uh, at home where we store all of our videos. And the problem that I have is that we've got a lot of large files. But there's probably some redundancy there. There's probably some duplication right. just because over time, you know, you've got master copies of shows that we've done. And then you've got the renders and you've got the ones for the, uh, for the uploads and RSS feeds and all this. So some of it may be redundant. However, um, using a tool like this would make it a lot easier for me to go through and nitpick through and find the ones that don't necessarily have to be there. Mm-hmm. So great tool, and uh, I hope that you found that helpful tonight. And again, that's for Windows. However, as you see here, I'm on Linux, and it's working just fine with the few little things that you can't do that you can do on Windows. However, it is fully operational, and it does the job, and it, it gets to the purpose of what it is that we're wanting to use it for. Yeah. So that's, uh, that is Space Sniffer, cat5.tv slash sniff. Thanks for tuning in tonight, everybody. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Welcome to the show. Welcome, everybody. We've got your viewer questions coming up in just a few moments' time. In the meantime, Sasha Dermatis is over in the newsroom. She's got some interesting stories. I heard something about a bus that is powered by poo. <laughs> I got to know all about that. Don't know why. It just sounds interesting. Sasha Dermatis, over to you. It's Tuesday, May 26, 2015, and here are the stories we're covering this week. Heat your home with a server for free. 8-bit arcade-style movie remakes are getting millions of views on YouTube. A new report has revealed that nearly half of the global population will be using the Internet by the end of this year. Dell has just released a new Ubuntu version of their Inspiron, Inspiron 15... 3000 series laptop and it starts at just $250. Yes, they're powering buses with cow poo now and one was clocked doing over <laughs> 75 miles per hour. These stories are coming right up. Don't go anywhere. Now we've got a deal for you if you're looking for hosting for your website. $70 is all you need. That's going to get you unlimited hosting space, unlimited bandwidth and okay, I got to tell them Can I tell you? We've just upgraded everything to SSD. So if you sign up for this package, you're going to be hosting your website on solid-state drives. It's going to be very, very screaming fast, and it's only $70 a year. Price didn't go up, but the 
package got better and better. Uh, you've got unlimited email accounts and your own .com, absolutely free, included in that $70. All you got to do is go over to cat5.tv slash dreamhost, sign up today, and make sure during checkout you use the coupon code CAT5TV. That's going to get you that deal. Woo. Back to the newsroom. Here's Sasha. I'm Sasha Dermatis, and here are the top stories from the Category5.tv newsroom. All computers produce heat, but computer servers produce a lot of heat. So much that it usually costs a fortune to cool them down. So why isn't this heat used instead to keep homes or offices warm? Now a Dutch startup called Nerdalize has introduced an innovative way to deal with this big problem for the tech industry. Nerdalize's solution is effectively to spread their data centers across domestic homes linked by fiber optic cable. The excess heat can then be used instead of going to waste. Good idea. Hmm. Their radiators are actually nodes to distribute to a distributed cloud-based supercomputer. A single unit won't be enough to heat a room in midwinter, but after a small setup fee, the heat is completely free to users, so it could reduce heating bills during the cold winter months. Definitely keep your pipes from freezing. Hmm. Nerdalize. That is smart. (laughs) Nerdalize gets its money for providing data. Nerdalize gets its money for providing data services. During this year-long pilot, its clients include Leiden University Medical Center, which uses the radiators to crunch through lengthy protein and gene analysis. The server in the radiator does not stop working when the unit is turned off. But the heat is pushed into an extractor on the outside wall. And in the unlikely event that a user needs heat but the internet is down and the radiator has nothing to work on, it starts performing dummy equations. While you may be concerned about the security of your data, Nerdalize's co-founder disagrees. He says their dispersed network of servers is more secure than a a data center, which represents a single point of failure. He explains it becomes nearly impossible to know what data is where, when it is there, and how to get it. I don't think he's making a point of security through obscurity, but rather that by decentralizing the data, you're actually less at risk for a sizable breach. Hmm. That makes sense. I think I, I like this idea because I live in Canada and I am always cold. <laughs> You'd like one of these servers in your igloo, would you? <laughs> <laughs> would you? Eh? I think what's uh, I mean, first of all, there's the ominous aspect. Um, spoiler alert, but person of interest with finding out where the machine is located. Right. It's it's in the infrastructure. And similarly, what they're talking about is creating this supercomputer powered by the infrastructure with nodes being all over the place right generating lots of heat creating heat for these homes which is smart yes very very smart i'd love to see that kind Mm -hmm. of thing come to fruition i think what it boils down to for me (laughs) without the 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 kind of mock um conspiracy theory uh but realistically We've got this situation where, okay, supercomputers, powerful computers are generating a lot of heat. And so what do we do? We throw air conditioning at them. So we're countering the heat by generating more kind of you know, emission, carbon emissions or doing more damage for the environment than is – like we're counteracting it but not in necessarily a good way. This is actually instead saying, okay, this is something that we can utilize – 
right. instead. It's like that recycling facility that you talked about a while ago that was taking plastic out of the air right. and creating things out of it. Like it's a smart way to recycle and that's basically what they're doing is recycling. I think I would feel better about this if instead of in homes, they were using these in like public pools to heat the pools okay. and in Ooh. like in community oh, centers for hey, the homeless an and in ways Liquid where cooling systems. I mean, not that I'm saying like as because I live in a house, I would like yeah, for yeah, yeah. my energy costs to be lower. But I think that they could probably use this as a way to give back. Charities like give. and stuff yeah. like places Charity. that really need it. Like. Uh, youth centers, women and children centers, sure. homeless centers. What about centers? even like shopping malls and things? Bring down the taxes. Yeah. Like bring yeah. down the amount of money that taxes are paying to heat. Um, mm-hmm. uh, not shopping malls, obviously, are not tax funded, but um, government buildings or buildings that are public access. Yeah. Or if there's that much heat that's coming from them, yeah. just as a just as an idea, isn't there a way that they could like? put it an underlay under an asphalt road and like de-ice the road so they wouldn't have to Ooh. salt them. Oh, We've got right? so many ideas. But oh, then, so many ideas. But if, then if we do that, then there's no more like bus cancellations. There's no more snow days for students. That's right. Snow days for anybody oh, who doesn't can't live have in that. Canada. Terrible idea. Terrible idea. <laughs> um, <laughs> the rest of the news is canceled for just the, for the rest of the hour. A team which recreates popular movies as 8-bit video games is attracting millions of views on YouTube. David Dutton from California makes the old-school arcade-style films for film collective Sinflex. His four-minute version of 2001 Japanese anime movie Spirited Away has attracted nearly one million views since it was uploaded last month. Wow. Other films to get an old-school makeover include Titanic, The Avengers, and Frozen. Mr. Dutton uses off-the-shelf software, Adobe Photoshop, and editing software After Effects to create his films. His brother, Henry, writes the distinctive music and the sound is edited in Adobe Premiere. Two years and 45 films later, Mr. Dutton's 8-bit cinema efforts are getting a good response from Hollywood itself. James Gunn, who directed the movie Guardians of the Galaxy, said on Facebook that Mr. Dutton's version released in January makes my heart sing. And the producers also claim to have worked with some of the studios directly on remakes. Copyright is not an issue for the studio because the creations fall under the umbrella of parody, which is included in the fair use clause of U.S. copyright law. You can check out the videos by visiting Sinfix on YouTube. That is fun and awesome. Is, was there a picture behind me of one of these that I didn't get to see? Uh, yeah, there's, <laughs> there you go. Okay. Eight, uh, one of the 8-bit cinema, The That's Avengers. perfect. How cool is that? That's I mean, for us retro fans, right? Retro video game fans and maybe all that kind of stuff. We could talk to them about doing maybe a little bit of a... You know, category five. There you go. <laughs> Eight Basically, bit. I'd be just a uh, an egghead. <laughs> egghead awesome. surrounded by a bunch of pretty girls. There you go. Yeah. A bunch. <laughs> a bunch. A group, a group of pretty girls. Yeah. The International Telecommunication Unit, a United Nations body, predicts that 3.2 billion people will be online. The population currently stands at 7.2 billion. About 2 billion of these will be in the developing world, but just 89 million will be in the least developed countries, such as Somalia and Nepal. 
They found that 78 out of 100 people in the U.S. and Europe already use mobile broadband, and 69% of the world has 3G coverage, but only 29% of rural areas are served. Africa lags behind with just 17.4 mobile broadband penetration. By the end of the year, 80% of households in developed countries and 34 of those in developing countries will have internet access in some form, the report confirmed. In the year 2000, there were just 400 million internet users worldwide, it said, an eighth of the current figure. So last time I read the news, we talked about how there is like 2 million people still using dial-up internet. So Blows this, my mind. So why? Like from two weeks ago when I read the news, 2 million people yeah. using it, to this story, which is, you know, most of the billion. world yeah, is going to have internet. That's, that's crazy. <laughs> Somebody help these poor two million people that are still on dial-up. That's like, what I'd like to see. My favorite thing was was in the in the graphic, like it showed like it's like a like a GIF, I guess, of going across GIF. like GIF. GIF. <laughs> Is it GIF? a GIF? It's a GIF. It's a GIF. It's a GIF. It's a GIF. I always <laughs> called it a GIF. It's a GIF. It's not Jiffy peanut butter. GIF like. <laughs> it's a GIF. G- g- girl. GIF. <laughs> Sorry, your point? Um, No matter where you are, someone is always on the internet. It could be like 2 a.m. and there's somebody on the internet. And they're sitting there like this. (laughs) I was watching watching a forensic files once and it was... like to solve the crime, this the perpetrator had emailed a map with an X that marked where this body was hidden. This is going somewhere, I promise. Okay. <laughs> so they had the map and they've tracked down the website that it was downloaded from because this was like back in like the early 70s. Only one person had gone to that website and downloaded that map. That would not happen now. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. How crazy yeah. is that? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Dell is one of the most important providers of Ubuntu-powered hardware, and the company has just released a new laptop called Inspiron. Inspiron? I can't never say <laughs> Inspiron. this. Inspiron. Yeah. Inspiron 15 3000 series laptop Ubuntu edition. Companies like Dell or IBM have helped to make Ubuntu much more popular because they sell a lot of hardware, and they're shipping that hardware with Ubuntu pre-installed. It might not seem like a big deal, after all, you can always install something else, but don't. But so many customers don't switch to a different OS, and Ubuntu remains installed. It also helps the fact that Dell, despite its big name, still has some very affordable laptop and netbooks. The price starts at two hundred and fifty dollars. The cheapest configuration features a dual co- dual core Celeron processor, four gigabytes of RAM, and a five hundred gigabyte hard drive. On the other side of the spectrum is the quad-core Intel Pentium with 4 gigabytes RAM, 500 gigabytes hard drive, and two years of warranty instead of one. This version is still super cheap at only $350. Because they ship with Ubuntu and not Windows, the price of the device is lower, making these versions a very good choice for the budget-minded. And they won't get viruses, right? Robbie? Well, that's that's part of the benefit of having Linux as opposed to Windows, right? Is It's not that viruses don't pass through Linux machines. It's that they're not susceptible to that programming. And mm-hmm. typically, one of the problems with Windows machines is that you're always running as an administrator. And that 
is, uh, I mean, Leo Laporte made a really good comment when he was talking about deprecating XP. It's like, if you're not going to deprecate it, at least just make it so that you're not running as administrator all the time because then 90% of the things that are going to happen aren't going to be able to happen to you. And Linux doesn't run as an administrator out of the box. It doesn't let your system run malicious code because you do not have the access to do that. So it's a lot safer. And Ubuntu is is based on... It's a a flavor of Linux. Ah, Speaking of flavors... The more you know. (laughs) The UK's premier poo-powered bus, the Bus Hound, has broken the land speed record for a regular service bus. The bus, which is operated by reading buses, hit a confirmed top speed of 76.785 miles per hour around the Millbrook Proving Ground in Bedfordshire. The bus would usually be limited to 56 miles per hour. Reading buses performed some minor tweaks to allow for the higher top speed. Presumably some suspension tweaks in the removal of the speed limiter. But otherwise, it's a standard bus that would normally putter around the streets of Reading. The bus is painted black and white in a pattern that is reminiscent of the Frisian cows used for milk production in the UK. Haha, <laughs> so it's painted like a cow. <laughs> <laughs> Holy cow. Holy cow. The bus hound is powered by biomethane, which is produced by an anaerobic digestion of cow manure by bacteria in a bioreactor. The biomethane is then compressed, liquefied, and stored in seven tanks fixed to the inside of the bus's roof. Liquefied biomethane is very similar to compressed natural gas, which can be used with slightly modified internal combustion engines. So hopefully that bus never crashes. Oh you'll my have, goodness. You'll have seven tanks of biomethane fuel oh, over you. Oh, dear. Other than I that, would it's... not want to be the guy sitting in the back seat when the roof collapses. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to cut the cheese. You know what I find funny about this thing? I mean, the technology, wow. Okay, they've taken yeah. poop and turned it into um, a fuel to power a bus that actually moves. I saw you were doing a conversion there so we can figure out how fast 75 miles an hour is. 120, 120 kilometers, mile, an, kilometers hour? an hour? Faster than our speed limit on our, on our highways? But the speed limit that most people travel anyways. <laughs> <laughs> so, Lou, we've made this bus. We're going to take it on a racetrack to Why? prove that poo is a good power source. How great all is that? All the horses are laughing, or all the cows are laughing at all the horses and their single horsepower. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sasha, can we interrupt the news for just a minute? Olsenhome.com slash GIF says <laughs> the GIF graphics file format was invented by Steve Wilhite. Now that I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing right in 1987. Okay. Was it GIF like GIF the peanut butter or a G like gift? It's pronounced GIF period the end. That's final. End of story. Why don't they spell it as GIF then? Why don't they? Yeah. Because it's, because it's short for... Graphics. Uh, gra- isn't it graphic gra- interchange gra- format? Graphics. It's, pronoun- it's pronounced... Gra- graphics. 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 Interchange format. I don't know no why. No wonder I pro- always sound so simple when I'm reading the news and pronounce things wrong because everything is different in nerd world. <laughs> well, 
you know what? At least we've got record of the proper way to pronounce it, regardless Thank of why you. it was pronounced that way. There you go. Thank you. For all your tech news with a slight Linux bias, visit the Category5.tv newsroom at newsroom.category5.tv. For the Category5.tv newsroom, I'm Sasha Dermatis. Thanks, Sasha. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Welcome to the show. If you're just joining us... Hi. Where you been? Come on. You've missed a lot of great content here. You have. This has been a great show so far. But if you're, if you're just coming to the, to the show now, I mean, you, can you might as well rewind it afterward and, and yeah. watch the beginning. The beginning was really the best. Yes. This yes, next part is also going to be exceptional, but... Uh, and that's because it's it's all about you, your viewer questions, all the questions you. that you've sent in. So it's because of that that, that I think it's time yes. to answer your questions. Yes. So the first question comes from Vikesh. I think I'm spelling that. Selling you, yeah, but you're the same person that says GIF. You're the one who says GIF like the peanut butter. Which is correct. No. Should I pull up that website for you? All right. Hey, Vikash. So his question is, yeah, suppose right. I have three cameras and I want to do separate recording and save each recording separately on different disks. How can this be achieved? Okay. Well, uh, the context here I'm seeing is uh, having seen the video on YouTube where I showed how to use multiple webcams. and So the question here is, okay, if you're using Telestream Wirecast, which we are, how can we now take that and uh, broadcast from Wirecast while simultaneously recording to disk each individual camera to later post-produce? And I'll tell you, one of the things that's beautiful about Telestream Wirecast so let's back up a little bit. And you're going to learn about this kind of stuff on my show called The Show Show. The Show Show. If you want to learn about broadcasting, head on over to uh, actually the easiest way to find it right now. It's a bit of a hack around. But go to neweveryday.tv. That's one of our shows because they have the new um, back end that Category5.tv hasn't yet launched yet. So if you go to neweveryday.tv, up at the top you see the Category 5 menu. You'll see the Show Show is one of the links. That will take you to our Facebook page. You can like us. Okay. Yay. All right. Roundabout, but that's how you get there yeah. for now. Uh, the show show is going to talk all about that. Um, but essentially, what Wirecast does brilliantly is saves the need for post-production. Mm-hmm. I don't have to go back and redo camera transitions because if I want to transition over to Kelsey, there we go. If I want to transition over there, if I want to – I'm going to throw this over to you, Sasha. There's Sasha's newsroom set, which is, in fact, um, a virtual set live with uh, live chroma key right that's all telestream wirecast and i don't have to do any post-production it's uh, as i'm clicking here is what you're seeing at home whether you're live or recorded uh and watching this on demand if you want to record separate channels here's the thing okay so i'm assuming from watching that video that you're using webcams and webcams if you have three of them times 1080p you're going to be using a lot of cpu uh, resources and it's going to crunch your system as it is 
I tend to prefer to use HDMI. It's going to work a lot better as far as seamless transitions and everything because the CPU usage, I don't know if you can see here, top right-hand side of my window shows that we are currently using 48% CPU, 44, 50, in around there. But meanwhile, we're streaming at 34,000 kilobits per second, 30 frames a second. You see that up at the top there? So that shows us that we're able to get really, really good response from this Wirecast system using our setup. So we're using HDMI into a Magewell card, and it's brilliant. Again, we're going to learn all about that on the show show. But So recording to disk individually is not really fathomable, fathomable. because... Wirecast is a um, is a full. It's the production suite. It produces the video and saves that produced video to disk. So, in order to have individual recordings of each camera, there are two things you could do. If it's an HDMI camera, for example, mm-hmm. or even if you're SD as opposed to HD, um, if you're using FireWire, for example, either of those, I could if I wanted to, because we're using a DSLR over here. I could push record and be recording to the SD card while it's outputting video over HDMI. Your camera has to support that. I think these D5100s will only do up to 720p if you're simultaneously recording to disk. Ah. Without recording to disk, we can do 1080p. Ooh, fancy. So, so that's the caveat. But um, so you can have each camera individually recording to its SD card, and that would accomplish that. But as far as on your computer goes, without having, pardon me, something in the in in the in between, it's just not possible. Just not possible. You could have uh, some some ATEM recorders or something in between your camera, but then you're getting really expensive, right? If I had a couple of uh, like the uh, just HDMI recorders, for example, so going from my camera into an HDMI recorder out to the computer. To broadcast from Wirecast, then I could record on that recorder externally, yeah. and have three of those. But again, they're not HD; uh, they're not USB for a webcam. So I think what it, what you're good to do is set up your shots, make it so that when you are producing it live, you don't have to go back and do post production. It's always nice to have raw video, though, but it's also you know a lot more work. Yeah. So. Uh, do subscribe to the show show, okay? And uh, and make sure you let me know your questions because these are the kind of questions I really would love to kill an entire episode on on the show show. I can't really do it here on Tech TV. Thanks for the question. We've got a limited amount of time. So. Yeah, and lots of questions coming in as well. Our next question, though, comes yeah. from Michel. I'm really sorry if I'm completely like destroying your We names. should just have a, dis- a disclaimer right at the top. We're going to butcher your names. <laughs> because so, you're not all sorry. from areas we, we know. Yeah. Um, Mihail. Mihail, I think, we'll probably. We're probably reasonably close. Yeah. And if not, call me Ruby. I'm, I'm okay with that. Okay. Hi, Ruby. <laughs> um, <laughs> didn't mean you. Mihail's question is <laughs> how to root his uh, Samsung Galaxy S3 to root it under Debian. Well, um, you can send me an S3, and I will uh, learn to root it. Uh, but there are some good resources out there. I would say probably the best one that I can think of would be Android Roots. Uh, they've done a full tutorial, but really, you haven't given me enough information to really go with um, because there are a couple of things. What version of the OS are you running? Right. Right. Uh, what 
kind of phone do you have as far as uh, is it a Canadian US phone or is it an international phone? Um, Android Roots has created a great tutorial online for the S3. If you have a US Canada phone, so not an international phone, because I don't want you to brick it, uh, and it has to be, uh, it's got to be Jelly Bean. But it depends, you know, maybe there are other t- uh, tutorials out there for you. Uh, I'll put together a quick link for you. We'll go cat5.tv slash root s3 all one word so it'll read like roots three and uh, that's going to take you to that tutorial and hopefully that will help again not for international phones it's got to be canada or u.s and it's got to be jelly bean so i hope that helps i hope that you fall into that category you haven't provided that information if i'm off uh maybe you know what android roots would be the guy to talk to uh that community is all about rooting the android phones and that particular tutorial is going to be all about doing it from windows mac or linux that's pretty good Good luck. Yes. Our next question, and I'm probably going to butcher this one too. We did the disclaimer. I know. Who <laughs> do who do we know? Sure. Who do we know? Okay. Who do we know? Um, he recently locate loaded Mint 32 onto a system that started as an XP 32 laptop OEM, okay. then a Vista 32 upgrade. Then a, then Windows 7 32 retail box upgrade, and okay. then now Mint. Okay. The problem is the USB and the, U, and the SD card reader is not found. They are not listed in the BIOS system devices. Okay. Also, in t- F12 boot options, they are not on the list. The unit is an Acer 8100 Intel 32-bit with, BIO, BIO, with BOSS version S3C19. I, I just let you go through it because I like okay. to hear you fumble over words and stuff, and that's fine. That's rude. GIF. <laughs> uh, okay, so it's not showing up in your BIOS. It's a USB SD card reader, and it's not showing up in the BIOS at all. So that tells me it's not necessarily OS specific because the operating system happens after the, uh, the BIOS has given the system access to the hardware peripherals. Okay, So if the BIOS doesn't see it, no operating system that boots is going to see it. What's well, a BIOS? BIOS is the uh, the integrated um, chip-based system that controls all of your hardware okay. so that your computer knows you've got a hard drive that is this size and it's yeah. found on this port. And then it tells all the operating system and everything what how it can access that hard drive. So if it's not seeing the USB device, it, the OS is not going to see that, the operating system, because the BIOS has said there is no USB device. So right. it can't connect to it. Um, and it controls everything like the date and time of your computer and all that kind of stuff as well. Okay. And, and that's just to make it real simple. Um, but um, so a couple things. Uh, I think Dreamweaver 909, I mean, that's a good point. You could flash the BIOS to the latest version. Your motherboard manufacturer may have an update for you. But before you do that, you know what's funny about those USB flash readers is that sometimes, sometimes plug-and-play BIOSes simply mess up. And you'll find that in, on occasion, and it's worth a shot because it's really, really easy to test. I mean, those are plugged into the, to the, uh, to the pins on your motherboard. Unplug it. Boot up your computer. Shut down your computer. Unplug your computer. Plug the pins into a different USB port on the motherboard. Okay. Find a different USB header. And then 
boot up the plug in and boot up the computer again and see if it picks it up because sometimes just kind of resetting the the BIOS's memory of that device mm-hmm. just with that simple pro- procedure will sometimes bring it back to life and if that fails i mean good guy uh or pardon me dreamweaver 909 makes a good point about uh flashing the BIOS to a later version um you could try card readers are dirt cheap you can try another one just to see if it's the card reader um just to rule that out yeah there are a couple of different things you can try but I don't think it's OS specific because you're saying that it's not seeing it in the BIOS itself either. So good luck. Let us know. Yes. And thanks for the question. Yes, thank you. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Find us online, www.category5.tv. Thanks for joining us today. Send your questions in to live at category5.tv. We've still got time for more. Yes, we, Do we? one more. All right. I think we got one more. Uh, this what question comes from Life of Pi. Hey, Life of Pi. Um, I just need to bring up the question. I would like to know, I would like to see you do a show on Raspberry Pi 2 running Ubuntu Mate. I would like to see if you mm. can overclock it. I know you can with Wheezy, but I can't find out how to do it on Mate. That would be fun. That would be a lot of fun. Now, Mastermind ZH has sent us a Raspberry Pi model B+. And you've seen me pull this out a couple times on the yep. show. We've had this for a while. And I don't want him to think that we have forgotten about it. I've, all the peripherals that I ordered from China <laughs> are still on their way. Uh, and we're eventually going to be able to feature this. Now, uh, getting a Model 2 would allow us to do some extra stuff for sure. Uh, but I want to do some fun projects with the Raspberry Pi. And we're going to start doing those kinds of features as time goes on and as we separate out the shows and everything. We're going to be able to do a little more hacking on Category 5 Tech TV. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Maybe that's something that you'd be interested in being a part of as well because you're a bit of a, a geek head as far as enjoying learning about that kind of stuff. I yes, think. So it's a lot of fun. That would be fun. Uh, so uh, I'll try to get my hands on a uh, Model 2. That would be awesome because they're pretty powerful. We could do a lot with that and uh, maybe even put together a couple of nice little servers and see what we can do with a, a Raspberry Pi. So looking forward to working with this one too, the B+, and see what we can do. Yeah. Thanks for the suggestion. We will make it so. Yeah. I should mention as I'm because I'm thinking you could send us a Raspberry Pi model too, but then I'm, I, that just reminded me uh, because that's one that's a quick way to get it into our hands. Um, our address, our mailing address has changed. So if you have our postal box written down somewhere or in your address book, make sure you go to category5.tv, scroll down to the bottom of the page, and you'll see our brand new address there. We've got a suite over on Young Street in Barrie. And uh, that is your, your new way of sending anything to us, be it your postcards. Be the first, one of the first three people to send us a postcard to our new address. And I promise you I'm going to send you a sticker. Yay. Cate- category 5. Stickers. Yeah, Category 5 logo sticker. All right? So Stickers. get on it. You got to be fast. Get them in our, in our mailbox. All Do right? It. Send us a postcard to the new address. The reason for that is simple as far as our address change. Uh, you can find out more by going to my blog, baldnerd.com. He is very bald. Very nerdy. So find out more about why our address has changed over there. Thanks for being here tonight, everybody. Yay. I always Did like you have fun? I hope so. I'm guessing so. Sasha, you have fun time tonight? Yes. All right. A blast. Thank you, everybody, for being here. Uh, Also, Kelsey, thanks for being here. And uh, we will talk to you next Tuesday night. See you, everybody. Bye. We hope you enjoyed the show. 
Category 5 TV broadcasts live from Barrie, Ontario, Canada every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern. If you're watching this on demand or through cable TV, check out the local showtimes in your area at Category5.tv and find out when you can watch live and interact in the community chat room. Category 5 is a production of Prodigy Digital Solutions and is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution 2.5 Canada. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in. 